God's will for you to sing that special because our God is mighty to save. And uh, He is. He's mighty to save, isn't He, Brother O.L.? Amen. And uh, got a little, got to get rolling. I got a lot of stuff to cover, and I am just so thankful to be a part of Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church and uh, just uh, so glad uh, uh, to be here uh, this morning. I've got. I'm just thinking about how God has blessed us, and in so many ways, uh, He has blessed us in our church. And so, got a little bit of homework that I need to do right now. Uh, if you are not beside your, I want to ask Karen to come on up here on the stage beside me. And if you're not beside your spouse right now. Uh, uh, get up wherever you are and go to them, get beside them. If they're not here, it's okay. I've got a homework assignment for you too. All right. So if you're beside your spouse, get bes- or if you're not, get beside them. The title of this morning's message is uh, Marriage is Work. And so just go beside your spouse. And if they're not here, if your spouse has already gone on to be with the Lord, or if they're not here, your assignment is this. Now, right now, 
This is about marriage. Three points basically to this message, uh, beginning well, starting well, doing well, and ending well. If your spouse is not here, just uh, what I want you to do is look around at the spouses that are here and just say, you know what, I'm going to pray for them. And also, if you uh, see some uh, a spouse and a uh, couple that, uh, and you say, I just want to, man, that's great to see a couple that loves each other. And uh, so here's what I want you to do right now with your spouse. And just take about the next uh, 20 seconds. And I want you to, number one, tell each other that you love each other and that you're glad that you're married to them. And then if you're really brave, I want you to give them a kiss. <laughs> right now. Right, you have my permission. We'll kiss first. I love and you. Love you too. And if you see somebody, give somebody a kiss, you say, you go. All right. All right. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for all of our couples. And I'm praying right now that our marriages would strengthen. Because Satan is alive and well, he wants to attack our homes. And it doesn't matter if no matter the history, the mistakes, the faults, let's put all that behind us and say, what I have now, I give to God. No matter whether it's my first marriage, my second marriage, or whatever, what I have now, I give to God. And ask His strength and for His guidance. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Alright. Let's head to Genesis. It is the very first institution that God ever created. Uh, and I appreciate um, couples that will share their hearts and their love with each other. Let your kids and your grandkids know and see that you love each other. Let them see that. Marriage is work. You need to tell each other you love each other. The good times and the bad, for better, for worse. And um, so we're going to take off here. In Genesis chapter 2, let's stand for the reading of God's holy word. Verse 18. And then we'll skip down to 21 through 25. And the Lord God said... It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a help meet, not one word. A lot of people like to put a, make that one word, but it's two words. A help meet, that means fitting for him. And then if you skip down to verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had made, had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man, this is the first marriage ceremony, leave his father and mother. Because they hadn't done that. He's just joining them. <laughs> so, and they shall cleave unto his wife and... Uh, and they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Father, we again bow before you, thanking you for your holy word that we can go to and see 
the basic principles that you established. Help us to look to you for strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're not married and you looked around, you saw couples uh, telling each other that, you say, that's the way I want to be. That's the way I want to be. And we look around real quickly. uh, This will give a little bit more participation. How many uh, couples in here have been married over 40 years? Lift your hands. Amen. Y'all give them a hand. And uh, that's right. 40 years. That's longer than some of y'all have been alive. Praise the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to work. All right. And uh, so John Gottman of the University of Washington studied the relationships of divorce, and he could predict divorce with a 93% accuracy and listed four predictors of divorce. Number one, a critical spirit in marriage. You are no longer praising each other. You're criticizing each other. So there's a critical spirit there. Number two, defensiveness creeps in. You will not let your spouse correct you. You will not, basically, I'm not listening to them anymore. And then, thirdly, contempt. That's just anger that's aged a long time. That's all contempt is. It's just aged anger. Stonewalling. Don't ever talk to me about that subject again. I will not talk to you about that. Don't ever bring up that subject again. Two of these four predictors of divorce are caused by an unteachable spirit, which are defensiveness and stonewalling that I mentioned, which means this. It just means this. A person in a marriage, one of the spouses, One of the spouses has said, I will not receive from you anymore. That's that's it. There's that sort of spirit. Now, and these are some common indicators. This is what we want to avoid, obviously. We're going to look at some principles and just doing doing things according to God's holy word. Marriages need to remain strong. They're deteriorating before our very eyes. Matter of fact, the definition of marriage is changing in our country. It's no longer one man and one woman in many places. It's not everywhere. It it can now be, of course, uh, homosexual unions or uh, marriages even uh, being recognized by companies offering benefits. And so it's got to change. But what has happened is a small pebble started off on a snowy mountainside, started rolling downhill, and it's gathering steam. When you change God's definitions, if there's no foundation, you can change it to anything. It will then, it's now becoming, it's under debate right now. If we can go change the definition a little bit further, and we, I don't know who would want to do this, but now we can have more than one wife if you want to. Uh, Polygamy is coming back up. It's not just for Mormons, it's just coming back up into the scenes. And so, why? The definition is changing away, anytime you get away from God's standard. Uh, never forget uh, the time that Bobby Jones was sitting there and, and uh, he just about fell, over, fell out of the pew laughing when I said, you know, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, okay? And he's the one that designed that. 
And uh, he got a big kick out of that. But folks, we need to start well. Now, very first thing, a lot of people think about this. Are you preparing for, let's just got off with starting well, are you preparing for a wedding or a marriage? Think about that. That's two different things, isn't it? More people, well, think about this. How much, how much more time is put in and how much more money is put in? I need to invest in the wedding day. How about invest in the marriage? Thought about that? And I need to, I'm going to spend, you know, how much money is spent on a wedding? Matter of fact, there was, uh, uh, there was this church, uh, the other day, that was uh, talking about this, and he was preaching about uh, uh, cohabitation, people living together, and it was just, and this church was in a, in a larger metropolitan area, and it's just a very commonly accepted thing today for couples to live together for a while, which of course is not God's design. It's not the way God designed it. And so he preached on it, and he had already had the approval from the church, and he said, uh, the pastor said this, and he had everything planned. He said, "If you and what it started out is, if you want, if you're want to change and you want to get back in God's design and do things right, he said the couple uh, we're going to pay for the wedding for any couple that wants to get married that's in our church this morning." And uh, he was worried if anybody would show up. Ended up, uh, the church had set aside. $9,000, and they took $9,000, and they married 32 couples in a fantastic wedding and a celebration for all of them. And so just trying to seek to establish doing things God's way according to God's design. Uh, matter of fact, so what is starting well? Ultimately, God's design is, is that two saved people marry each other. This doesn't always happen in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> Chapter 6, actually we'll start out with Second Corinthians, then we'll go to First Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, the Word of God says this, it says, And be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And so basically what this is saying, the ultimate design by God is for two believers to marry each other. And that, that's it. Two saved people to marry each other. Also, marriage in our text is ordained by God. So, in other words, he started and he said, this is the way it needs to be. It needs to be a man and a woman, just one and one. And uh, you can get all the ins and outs and chase, you know, God allowed for divorce for this reason and God allowed for... You know, there was uh, people in the Bible that had more than one wives. That polygamy in the Bible was just like divorce. In other words, it was a sin that God allowed to happen that it wasn't His design. His design is seen in Genesis. Matter of fact, if you won't uh, say, well, that's the Old Testament. Guess what Jesus said? Have you not read where God made them male and female, then they too shall be joined, and a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined. He used God's example as an example himself. So even Jesus said, this is the pattern. This is, so you can't say, well, that's old. You can't go that because Jesus said, this is the right pattern. This is the right example. And he was using it as an illustration because it says marriage is an institution for this life. That's what he was after. That's what he was headed for. And he said, 
this is my design. One man, one woman. Get married, leave your father and mother. Uh, also, another thing, the best my pattern is, is that two saved people marry each other. It doesn't mean that God can't get them saved later. But listen, uh, there's an old adage that says this, only date who would make a good mate. Which means this, if they're lost, probably we shouldn't date them because we may fall in love. You can fall in love with anybody. It's because love is a choice. It starts out with infatuation. It starts out with lust. It starts out, and all that means is a strong desire. And you have this strong desire, and according to God's desire, design also is that sex outside of marriage is wrong. Okay? And so 1 Corinthians, just back up. I'm in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to back up just a little ways. 1 Corinthians 6.18. God's design is is that, number one, no sex outside of marriage. So I'm going to put a finger here, then I'm going to flip over here to Hebrews. This is a great passage also in Hebrews 13. In uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, <clears throat> the Bible just says flee fornication. That means basically this, you could look up that, that's where we get our word pornography. It just means sex outside of God's design. That's it. Pornia is the Greek word for fornication, where we get our word pornography, sex outside of God's designs. Flee it, run. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Wouldn't it be great if every couple that got married said, my gift to you is that I have kept myself for you, and I give myself to you as a gift now, and that's God's design. You say, well, that's old school. That doesn't happen anymore. That's God's design. You're justifying it according to worldly culture. Everything we watch on TV says yes, God says no. And it's okay to say no. I mean, we go against God's word and we change the definition. Okay? And then this, and this awesome verse. And he says it's all for marriage. Hebrews 13, 4. He says, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And so he's saying it's for marriage. God's design is to give yourself to your spouse as a gift after marriage. Well, that's starting well. Like I said, I've got to stay moving. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Doing well. Uh, the design... Is in uh, Hebrews. This is the New Testament design in marriage. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul summed it up. And for lack of time, you know, it goes into wives hate this, but in Ephesians 5 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands, but it also says, There as unto the Lord, which just means follow his leadership. It doesn't mean a dictatorship. Okay, and if he, remember what I said last week, if he won't lead, you've got to lead. You've got to provide for your family spiritually. All right. Now, in doing well, God is the architect. And I just want to talk about some things real quick. It sounds like a lot, but we're going to be covering these real fast. Number one, I'm going to pick on the guys. And then uh, this is where you really need to take notes because I could not fit all this in the sermon outline, okay? Or listen up or listen to it later, okay? It's going to be on the screen for you. Seven things that the man needs to know, and then we'll pick on the women. Number one, 
Marriage is the ultimate team. It takes work and there is no I. Folks, this is what every guy, most guys are selfish. I've used this as an illustration before. I mean, I'm selfish when I'm a lot better than I used to be. But when I go into Walmart, I'm thinking, what do I need? When a woman goes into Walmart, especially if she's married and has kids, she's thinking, what does, what do my kids need? What do my, what does my husband need? And it's usually that way. Now I know that there's people that don't fit that pattern, but that's usually the case. Number two. A man needs to invest in his wife, cherish her, learn how to listen. Most men don't know how to listen, okay? And I'm one of them. You know, and I I can still try to use the hearing aid as an excuse, but it doesn't always work, okay? Not when she's five inches from my head, <laughs> okay? And saying, look at me whenever I'm talking to you. Okay, I heard that, okay? But I need to cherish her. The Bible does say that, and we'll, I think we'll look at this later, that I need to honor, it says this, honoring her as the weaker vessel. God did not make her like me. You know, get this, did you know, there's a lot of guys who are mystified that they said something and hurt their wife's feelings. You know, I, I didn't mean for that to happen. But you weren't listening or paying attention or you weren't thinking before you spoke. But we need to cherish a wife. Next, a man needs to know the meaning of love. It says in in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then in verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And uh, man needs to know the meaning of, of love. What is the meaning of love? Let's just talk about that real quick. The meaning of love is this, especially for us guys. Number one, if I'm teamwork, love, there are several kinds of, of love. Love is self-sacrifice. True love is this. Self-sacrificing. For God so loved the world. Have you ever heard of agape love? All it means is sacrificial love. Brotherly love <clears throat> means I'll, I'll be a friend for you. But agape love is sacrificial love. So most guys, we come to that point. When you've been married so long, or it really doesn't take a long time, but you're willing to lay down your life for your spouse. Now that, you can say that, but you know in your, deep down inside your heart that you would give your life. That's the true meaning of love. That's the way God loves you. He literally gave His life for you. That's what men need to know. Men need to know that. Moving on quickly. A man needs to know that intimacy is designed by God and the world offers Cheap counterfeits. Proverbs 5.15 in the whole chapter is avoiding women who will entice you away from your wife. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 15. It, uh, it says we need to drink waters from our own well and water from our own cisterns. 
which basically this, stay at home. If you're tempted, don't, don't return a phone call, don't return a text message, don't return a Facebook inbox, don't, don't pursue it. Remember that other verse? It was a New Testament example of what Joseph did in the Old Testament when Potiphar's wife said, come lay with me, come to bed with me. And he ran. She grabbed his jacket, held it as evidence, and turned the story around on him. He ended up in jail because of it. But the Bible says, flee fornication. And here it says, drink waters from your own well. means just stay at home, basically. Next, fifth, a man needs to know that commitment is the key to success in all of life. Let her know that you're committed to her. If you don't consistently let your spouse know, I'm committed to you no matter what. That's it. I'm, I'm committed to you. Now, you. Think about this. Somebody that loves, you know, you can, you, people, your, your own spouse can treat you mean and ugly and not reciprocate love back to you whenever you give love. And it takes true commitment to say, I love you anyway. It's one of the hardest things to do, is to love somebody and them not love you back. But that's real commitment. Now, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different scenarios that I could go into right there, but I just don't have time. I've got to move on. Number six, a man needs to know that marriage is not easy. Every marriage has seeds of destruction. Are you going to water them? You can talk about she, she is uh, on me. She's, she, my own wife doesn't like me. Uh, my wife doesn't know how to control uh, herself, doesn't know how to balance a checkbook. My wife can't cook. My, you just, every marriage has problems. Every marriage and couple has difficulties and things that you can pick on until Jesus comes. Are you going to water those seeds? Or are you just going to let them stay there? You cannot change. God can change them, but you can't. Number seven, a man needs to seek the Lord and honor Him as the foundation of the home, which is the way it needs to be, begin. All right? Is the Lord the foundation of your home and your life? Moving on quickly. Now for the women. So guys, you need to do those things. <clears throat> Seven things a woman needs to know about marriage. Number one, men cannot read your minds. If you drop a hint, they don't get it. And uh, so women know that. We... It went right over. It will make your life a whole lot better if you realize that is that men cannot read your minds. You do have to spell it out for them. Okay, all right. Okay, number one, or number two, communicate. Communication is great. Nagging is not communicating. Okay. Proverbs chapter 21 may get in trouble, but when you got the Bible, you got a, I got a good foundation to stand upon. So I may get in trouble. That's all right. I've been in trouble on my whole ministry. All right. Proverbs 21, 9. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. That's just a woman who's after you and, uh, but women, 
Solomon wrote this from experience. This wasn't, uh, he wasn't making this up off the top of his head. Uh, he, you know, you got uh, a thousand women, and that's what the Bible says he had. Uh, he realizes mistakes. Notice I said plural, mistakes later, and he's writing about it. But uh, anyway, he said that. And then in verse 19, he said, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman, which means is if your wife is angry, go hunting. Okay? Uh, this means hunting is biblical. I went ahead and put that up on the slide for you. It says it right there. Hey, men, we have Scripture proof. Go hunting. If it's not in season, something's in season all the time in Arkansas. So go hunting. And then finally, the last Scripture on this, uh, chapter 27 and verse 15. The Word of God says this, A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. And uh, which means this, ladies, nagging doesn't always get the appropriate response. Communication. Find out how to communicate better. Uh, Number three, never assume he heard you or understood you. Okay? If he's not looking at you, he's probably not listening. Okay? And then I put, she says, when a woman says this, you know what the problem is. Ladies, he doesn't. Okay? And if you ever say that to your husband, well, you know what the problem is. If a a husband looks at the wife and says, first of all, he knows he's in trouble when she has that look. And, uh, but he knows that trouble, that look means he's in trouble, but he is trying, he is racking his brain trying to remember what he did or did not do. And then he finally gets up enough courage because he sees the look and he asks her, what's wrong? Then you know what she's going to say. You know what's wrong. No, women, we don't. Okay. Just go ahead. We're not, we not good listeners. Now, some men are better than others. Amen to that. But most of us aren't. We have to work on it. And we don't know what the problem is. You, another thing, you have to spell that out. And if we're asking, it means we don't know. We're simple <laughs> that way. God's just the way God wired us. Number four, according, this is homework. I'm not going to turn to 1 Corinthians 7. A good meal and a warm wife can solve a lot of problems. I'm trying to keep this as, but this is, I'm preaching on marriage, so this is it. I'm, but I'm speaking in words that everybody can understand, okay? All right, but that's, you read 1 Corinthians 7 together, and that'd be good homework for you. And uh, a good meal and a warm wife can solve a lot of problems. Number five, men especially need this. I hit this last week a little bit. Verbalize your appreciation to him. Men, men need to hear it. Proverbs 31, 12. Uh, just, you know, and matter of fact, uh, there's a, just a couple of more verses that I want to cl- throw in there. In Proverbs 31, we're going to read 10 through 12. It says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. And that's it. That's the key phrase. And she, verse 12, she will do him good and not evil all days of her life. Now, I don't have time to go to, uh, over to James chapter 3, which talks about the power of the tongue 
to destroy and steer. But uh, listen, it's easy. Stop mail bashing. If you've got a husband and he's sorry in all regards, just he needs your prayers. He doesn't need you to bash him. He doesn't need to bash. You can have your closest confidant. And uh, and there's other ways to go about if your husband falls short. And why it goes both ways with this. And most of the time it's the women who will get together and you can use you can use the word bash. You can just use the word talk. But when you run down, men need your support. Guys, and I don't care if you have a lost husband or a saved husband. Love them, support them. That's biblical. That's First uh, Peter chapter 3, uh, trying to win a wife. No, excuse me. Win a, the example is a, a saved wife and a lost husband. It says to win your husband by the manner of your living. The way you live, humbly, trying to reach them. It says not with just trying to attract them, but trying to win them by your manner of life. And so it's, it's scriptural not to bash, okay, and not to run down or tear down, but to lift up, to pray for, to encourage. Folks, all of our marriages are struggling. Uh, it's like adding fuel to the fire. Uh, ladies, you hold your... Ma- you can... And think about this. I, you know, somebody said, well, I wish I had a respectable husband. Well, respect him, okay? I wish I had an honorable husband. Honor him. The same way with the wife. I wish I had a pleasing wife seek to please her. I wish she was more loving. Love her more. It works both ways. That's communication. It's biblical, number one. That's, the, that's first and foremost. All of these principles are based upon God's holy word. Verbalize your appreciation for him. Number six, pray for him. He is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. And then Ephesians five twenty two and 23 just means this. Give him a chance. Let him lead. Again, if you have a husband that will not lead spiritually in your home, you have to. You have to bring the kids. But encourage him to lead out. Pray for him. If you could sit down and have a 20-second, maybe that's his attention span, 20 seconds, 20-second prayer and devotion. You can do it. There's verses that, that short and have a prayer that short. But anything is better than nothing. At all. A lesson for both of you. Instead of praying, God fix my spouse, pray, God change me. I want you to look at uh, this again as scriptural. So, man, my, my wife is this, my husband's that. I wish God would change them. Pray, God change me. Give me more patience. Give me more wisdom. Help me to reach them for you. I said this last week, you may be the only Bible somebody reads. You may be the only one standing between your spouse and hell. You may be the only chance in heaven that they have. In uh, Psalms 139, the writer of the Psalms said this. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me into the way everlasting. How can I encourage my spouse? What can I do for them? How can I bless them? Even whether your spouse is saved or lost, if they're active, inactive, if they if they have no regard for the future, you say, it's hopeless. My marriage is lost. Don't let it go without a fight. And the Bible does say, if an unbelieving depart, you're not bound any longer. 
and uh, which means which means you put up a fight. You can't make somebody do something, but you can sure love them. Love them when they walk away. Love them when they don't respond. Love them when they don't love back. That's all biblical advice. Ending well. A great verse in the Song of Solomon. Same fellow. <laughs> he was writing this and and uh, he ends, he's ending, headed toward the end of the book. In 8-7, he said, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly condemned. Rejoice with your wife. I have, you have so long. It's for this, it is for this life. In Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 18, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. I've got some more homework for you real quick. Before January is over and, uh, January the 19th, from here on out, this month, plan a date night with your spouse. Or with the one you're planning on marrying. Have a date night before this month is over. Valentine's Day is coming, guys. Start now. Have y'all ever been in Walmart on uh, February the 13th at 8 p.m.? In the card section. There's cards on the floor. There's cards on the ceiling. There's cards everywhere. And it's guys going, that and a do. And, uh, you know, just last minute, you know, if they're worth, hey, our wives are worth more than that. Let's start now. Love your wife. Start planning. I'm giving you a head start, guys. I'm bringing it, write it down. All right, put it where you'll find it. Just put it in your wallet somewhere. And uh, where you'll see it before February the 14th gets here. Plan on going to a retreat or a getaway once a year. Just something. And most of you do this already. A lot, just something. A getaway, retreat, we uh, enjoy a marriage conference, it's, it's just strengthening your marriage, we go to every October, it's called the Home Builders Retreat outside of Little Rock. Be determined to fall more in love every year. And folks, when uh, Jesus, or when Paul, then of course commit your marriage, and, and that's that's obvious, when Jesus, get back to Paul, was using the example of marriage in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and he was going all through that, and he was using, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. This is great, but I'm speaking all this concerning Jesus and the church. Marriage is for this life. And mar- hey, did y'all know that God designed marriage to be Pleasing, it's to be fun, it's to be exciting, it's not to be without heartache. There's pain in life. And did you know this? God designed everything to work, to, excuse me, to have work involved. Did you know God says work is good? And you have to work at life, you have to work at your job, and you have to work at your marriage. And there's not a single marriage... <laughs> You know, Karen and I, we've got a great thing going. 
But it's not always easy. It's definitely not perfect. It's a lot of work. And I guarantee you, we both said, I'm sorry. We both asked for forgiveness. We tell each other all the time. We make mistakes. Which is, nothing wrong with making mistakes, but then you get to make up. It's in the Bible. All of that's in the Bible, I've said. To love. To get right. Most, most of all, honor the Lord in your marriage. As we prepare for Him invitation, let's pray. Father, I thank You for this time. Just this real short 35 minutes that we've had to talk about this. And uh, Father, I, I'm praying for every marriage in this room. I'm praying for every future marriage in this room. Uh, it does take work. It's not easy. But nothing worth having is never easy without work involved. Help us to sacrifice. Help us to avoid temptation. Especially guys, to avoid anything outside of God's design. That the women would be seek your wisdom and your encouragement to encourage their husbands and to lift them up, pray for them every day, to pray with them. The guys to be the leaders. Take the lead in their homes. For the wife's sake and for the kids' sake. In Jesus' name, amen.